This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show number 562 with guest Gavin Campbell, recorded on February 9th, 2023. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorites tech gadgets that find their way into your home, news, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in a beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska. I can, it's, oh, I cannot wait for summer to get here. I, I never say that, but I'm ready for the winter to be over. And of course, we will post the show with some world-class show notes out at TheAverageGuy.tv. This episode's affiliate sponsor, don't forget Nespresso. Use the code MQU, capital MQU328. Get $40 off any machine purchase of Nespresso. And if your coffee's terrible, it doesn't have to be. Like, you don't have to have terrible coffee. Sarah bought me an espresso a couple years ago, and I, it's one of the things that saves me with the pod. Put it in, get some good coffee. You can have it too. Code MQU328. Just write that down. MQU328. $40 off your first machine, and you too can be rocking some super. I don't want, listen, I don't want you drinking bad coffee. Okay. Don't do it. It's bad for you. $40 off your first machine. And I think it's Aaron Lawrence approved. Check it out. Uh, out at Nespresso, Nespresso.com. Uh, do that today. Big thanks to Marv B, who joined us last week. And if you haven't listened to that show, caught up to it. Kind of your uh, traditional home gadget geeks in a lot of way. Marv, thanks for coming on. If you haven't caught 561, go out and listen to it now. And then big thanks to our Patreon subscribers who are finding value. If you're finding, I'll say this, if you're finding value in this podcast, you can support it via Patreon. Head out to theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon. Uh, John Biggs sent some beer uh, we did in the pre-show. By the way, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you automatically get the pre-show. But uh, in the pre-show, John sent me some perpetual darkness. Kind of reminds me of my own soul at times. Barley, wine, ale. Nine and nine and a half percent. John, thanks for you know how to send beer. So I appreciate you doing that as well. Gavin Campbell's with us. Gavin, always great to see you. Thanks for saying yes. You had a busy day. You're squeezing me in somehow. <laughs> thanks for doing I think you're 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 peeking in on a tech call at the same time. Thanks for coming out. No problem. Thanks for asking me again. I saw the message pop up because you know it was funny because I was thinking, you know, maybe I should reach out. It's probably time that I Come back on again, you know, give yeah. you an update. There's been yeah. some significant changes in my house, but we'll get yeah. into that. Yeah, we'll get into that. It's always good to have you. I, I appreciate you saying yes. Um, uh, going back to an episode, we had Dave McCabe on the program, oh, I don't know, four, five, six weeks ago, I think. And, you know, he talked about getting into woodworking. And this week over at warpedboards.com, Dave has launched, so just like it sounds, warpedboards.com. I'll have that in the show notes so you can go out there and take a look at that. He's taken everything he talked about on that show and made some products. He's got a bottle opener and he's got some, some, uh, um, cutting boards. He's got some flight boards that are available out there. And he's got a whiskey smoker that I picked up from him. Uh, I'll right off the store, uh, $25 all C and seed. Uh, you can see, I already used it <laughs> in there. We tested it out last night. I made a video for Dave, little screen on the inside. You add a little bit of, um, he had a little bit. He actually even sent me a bag full of, of shavings to put in there. Throw the shavings in, put it on top of your on to, put it on top of your cocktail, take your torch, hold it for about five seconds, and it drops smoke into the uh, into the drink. 
if you haven't tried that before with whiskey, I'm not sure I'd do it with the beer, just to be honest. That would be kind of, I don't know if I'd go with that. But on the whiskey end of things, really delicious. Made two old fashions with it last night. One for me, one for Sammy. We tried it out a little bit video. If you haven't checked out his site, warpedboards.com. I know you appreciate it. And, uh, you know, a long time. Dave's been a long time guy in the community doing woodworking stuff now. Check it out, warpedboards.com. Gavin, what do you think? We, we, we spent a little time talking about this in the, in the, in the pre-show, in the pre-pre-show, you and me. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? That's pretty cool. Uh, huh? It's pretty cool. And you, you educated me on, you know, what it was actually for, because this is the first time I've actually seen something like this where you smoke your, uh, whiskey. Yeah. And you know, I thought that was really cool. Mm. It's a good party trick because it looks cool. Like you put this thing on top of the yeah. glass and then you light it and it flames up the top and the smoke comes out the bottom and then it kind of swirls around in there. You can leave that on there for 30, you know, 30 seconds, a minute, whatever, whatever you want. When you pull it off, the smoke stays in there. You know, it's just a good, like, just a really good party trick, right? <laughs> One of those kinds of things. So kind of fun. Did add some good flavors to it, and uh, and Brian says you may have to pick one of those up. It's pretty cool, and uh, of course, sports Dave. So if you uh, if you're so inclined, warpedboards.com. Gavin, uh, of course, you're from uh, Home Tech or your podcast, HomeTech.fm, and I, yes. I went over there and peeked at uh, what you guys are doing. You had a story about a of school in the on the East Coast <laughs> who's who's. Home assistant failed. Really. No, not they're really. not. not really. <laughs> it wasn't really home assistant, right? But they installed some lights that were kind of green, and then the software that broke down, and they couldn't. Tell, just give me the the Reader's Digest condensed version of that. Was pretty cool. Oh, I guess. Well, the school put in some uh, automation with their lights, and you know they have the. It was all software based, and I guess the system that controlled it all kind of went down. So yeah. they haven't been able to turn off their lights for over a year. It just sits <laughs> on, you know. I think they're LED lights, so they're saving money that way. It could have been worse, but you know, at some point, I would have just gone and flipped breakers, you know. But yeah, well, yeah. Why? That's what I was thinking too. Why not just? start hitting breakers. Uh, teachers were complaining because they couldn't turn down the lighting. I mean, the we're going to talk about home automation tonight. And this is all real stuff, right? When you start yep. thinking if your if your hub goes down or your the power goes off or whatever, right? You kind of get stuck in this situation. It does sound like they got the right part and maybe the right contractor and they they're like, "Okay, this time there needs to be an override put in so we can override all these systems, right?" But Certainly, the city is paying that power bill for those lights to be on 24-7. And you're right. They are, you know, they're energy-efficient lights. So it's not like they're, they're you know, burning incandescence the whole the whole way out. But uh, that that's, I mean, that's a real concern with home automation, right? When we're thinking yeah. about setting setting this up, we, you've been a, you were a Hubitat guy for a lot, oh, of, yeah. a lot of years, right? And I think the value of the Hubitat was that it would work if the internet went down. You've recently made a change and are now using Home Assistant. We've talked about that here. Uyghur is a big, he got me on it. I'm on it here. Why the switch? Why why, why go from that? I mean, you were writing applications for it and all that other stuff. Why the switch? It was mainly, at first it started out as curiosity. Um, you know, I, I've heard everybody talk about Home Assistant, how great it was, the things it did. And I got a little curious. So, you know, I loaded up Home Assistant on my system. And um, one of the listeners of the Home Tech show, you know, he kind of gave me that extra push. He was going to send me 
uh, Home Assistant Yellow at some point, but we couldn't get a Raspberry Pi. Which, so is, hard, like, which is hardware, right? I mean, yeah, which is their hardware. Yep. Yeah. So at that point, I was like, you know what? I don't need their hardware. I'll just run it in a VM on my Unraid server, which I did. And then it kind of just took off from there. Like as soon as you start getting into it, you're like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. And went from there. Yeah, just from a basic user experience, this is what snagged me on it. Like it, it the dashboard setup is everything I've ever wanted in home automation dashboarding. Like Hubitats was always, it was kind of there, but it was not what it, really what I wanted. Uh, even trying to use some of the Amazon or some of the whatever hubs, you know, that come in don't really work as well. Man, the uh, the web browser, the dashboards, the way they allow you to create those with radial buttons and on and off switches. I, that's that what that's what pulled me in. Was that a similar experience for you? Um, yeah, they they seemed a lot more polished to me. Everything from their app to their interface to their dashboards were more polished. Um, and when I was on Habitat, I was um using a lot more other services. So for their dashboard, I was using Sharp Tools, which is a web-based, you know, alternative, you know, and I found I had to augment it with other tools where with Home Assistant, everything was just integrated. Mm-hmm. Do you Did you find uh, Home Assistant had more integrations than Hubitat did with, with the equipment? Now, that's, I mean, it's not like you have every single home automation device that's there, but for you, were the, were the integrations easier? Um, I found it had everything I tried to think of. Somebody either did it at some point. And it's not even that it had more integrations, but like it had more powerful integrations, right? And I'm sure we'll get into that, but like with their cameras, you know, the video feeds from the cameras and how that's all integrated was so much easier and built into home home assistant that I really liked. And that was that's that's one of the things that really impressed me. Yeah. You, you, you wrote a lot of integrations for Hubitat, right? I mean, every time we talked, it seems like, oh yeah, I just got to write some. Yeah. Right. Right. I think I did it for myself mainly though. Yeah. Right on. Right on. I mean, you needed it, right? Did you find as you were making the migration, you were having to write as many or some of the same, maybe the device you had was a little obscure. And so on both platforms you had to write for it. Or did you find in the, in the Hubitat, that most of that stuff was covered um in home assistant i didn't have to i I wrote one integration it was just it was just for my foscam cameras and mainly because their integration of foscam was so basic and i needed a few extra features so i only wrote one but everything else was already there and i didn't have to really write anything else and everything i wanted everything whoa that's yeah you got a lot dude you got yeah you got a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Um, what about what is it? Z Wave, Zigbee, some of yep. those. Is that all work for you? Yeah. So the, this is one of the things I also like about Home Assistant is you can um, you can change out the hardware as you want. So you can choose the Z Wave stick you want and put that in, and you have full control over that. If you like Z Wave seven hundred or Z Wave five hundred, or you want to put in a Z Wave eight hundred stick, you can put that in and swap it out how you want. Same with the Zigbee. And you just add it to the system. It discovers it for the most part. And if it's not, if it's too new of a device, it'll eventually get added, right? Like it, that's what I really liked because I've played with different sticks in there, right? To see which one gave me the better results. And it was surprising what I found. Building, building automations, but as we compare Hubitat to Home Assistant, 
building those those the the automations. How did you find the difference between those two platforms on getting automations to work? Pretty close? Uh, pretty close. The Hubitat rule machine is actually very powerful, mm-hmm. right? So I found that one probably is more powerful in, in some aspects. But I was able, all my automations I was able to do um, in Home Assistant. And in, in if you want something more powerful in Home Assistant or something more visual, you can even like install Node-RED. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's almost like a graphic. You draw out your automation type of thing. You can install that and that's integrated in as well. So it gives you that extra power, extra flexibility. I think Uyghur did that for one weekend and then shut it down. He got all excited (laughs) about it, did the whole thing and then shut the whole thing, um, the whole thing down. Do you still have both running in your your Um, No, I actually have shut down the Hubitat now. Mm. It's it's a hub sitting on top. I feel bad every time I... uh, (laughs) walk by it like uh, it, it just it felt like it was watching me every time i migrated something else over <laughs> judging was it yeah judging, judging me why aren't you like, using me yeah and i and i one day i have to boot it back up and back up all my code i've written on that because who knows yeah. if one day i'll need it yeah. right yeah it's the i like the hardware implementation of of hubitat like it's clean it's small it does exa- it's built exactly for what it does yes you know you're not trying to take an old piece of equipment and make it work the pi implementation of 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 home assistant i always got that kind of feeling like i mean yeah you can and you've got an unraid i'm running it in a um i think i'm running it in virtualbox on windows yes uh, on the, in a, well or maybe i was I think because I had a hard time getting for um, uh, VM. No, what do they call it? Hyper-V. There we go. On Windows, I had a hard time getting the, Hyper- the Hyper-V working. I Eventually, I did. And so I think I've moved that to Hyper-V um, for it, which is not not particularly difficult. I mean, I struggled with a little bit. That's not my forte. I, got a, I did get it working. But I always felt like Hubitat had some great hardware, and they continue. I think they continue to upgrade it and and and, and you know make better units. So I like that. I like that purpose of it. But did you? So you found in the end, just the the user experience is what you preferred uh, it with Home Assistant rather than with Hubitat. Yeah, the interface mainly. Like like yeah. you said, you love their dashboards. I love their dashboards. Um, everything works fast um and it took me a while you know to find the right mix of hardware but when i did it's it's working beautifully now yeah yeah no it's i I like it as well tell me what else what other things did you like about it what were what were some other other things in there well one of the main things that really got me was the um camera integration so i i have all my cameras i have about 10 cameras around the place um and they all go into a blue iris box well, there's a Blue Iris integration. So it brought all the cameras right into um, Home Assistant. Now, what I wanted to really do, and on Hubitat, this was I was almost getting there, but it was just difficult. But I wanted notifications with the image on it. Easy, easy, easily done in Home Assistant. Then I was like, well, I can get notifications with the video feed on it. So now I get notifications and I click, I press on it and it actually brings up the video feed right away in a notification box. So I can see exactly what's happening at that point. I was like, that's really cool. Well, even upping that, I get notifications with the video feed on my watch, (laughs) right? So when I tap on it on my watch, I'm watching the live video feed on my watch, right? So I thought that was really cool. And then you can even add actions to those notifications. 
So I have actions where I can make it open it in, in the Blue Iris app or open it in Home Assistant app or mm-hmm. um, snooze the notifications for six hours and it will just snooze my cameras. Um, mm-hmm. There are notifications for how many hours I want. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And that was one of the main things that really got me saying, hey, that is cool. And on top of that, Home Assistant handles all the traffic. So all the traffic coming from the cameras to the, the app on your phone is going through Home Assistant's cloud and everything like that it does not you don't have to open a port on your home router and expose expose your blue iris to mm. the internet mm. right it all goes through they handle it and i was like that was really nice wow yeah no it sounds good it it, it ring not so good just to be honest i have four ring cams <laughs> they it doesn't work very well and I don't know why, but it just doesn't. It, do you have any ring? Yeah. Um, I used to have ring, um, but like you said, when it came to integrations, I didn't like the ring. No, like, they're terrible. No, yeah. I, I do yeah. things like when people walk up my driveway, it pops up on my TVs, or they ring the doorbell, it pops yeah. up on my TV. Yeah. Yeah. You know, stuff. Or I could press a button on my Harmony remote and shows cameras outside or inside. You know, I couldn't do any of that with the ring, right? Yeah, in the you know with the with the the A lady, you can say, "Hey, show me the insert cam name here," and it flips over and goes to the web and then brings the cam. By the time you get there, your kids are graduated yes. from college, and you're like, "Hey, you know," th- so that doesn't work very well. the The Home Assistant um, uh, app doesn't it brings the last image up, and it doesn't have a lot of options for it. I kind of keep hoping. One of the things I've noticed about Home Assistant is the development of it is constant. Like every month I get a new update, every month I, I get a new core update to it, right? You have the kind of the, I think the core and then um, something else. There's two updates in there. Yes. Yeah. Right. And that's that's one of the things being a Home Assistant user is get used to updates, you know, because they come like this week, I think there were two or three alone and it was just core updates, the point updates every month. They release the big update where, and they have release parties, they have, you know, announcements, and then they release point updates, just bumping up libraries or fixing little bugs. But, you know, at least it's getting up to date and I like keeping it up to date because it makes it easier to keep updating it instead of doing one big update where it could break things over time. Right. right? So I, I always update my home assistant yeah and it's it's easy on the dashboard it's easy to see then the notifications just a button just click on it and say update doesn't take long to get it done um and that's because you're running it in a vm too right so when you're in a vm it's so much easier to update because the home assistant os um handles all that for you you just click update and you just wait and then it's done if you're running it in dockers and stuff like that it gets a little more difficult with the updates yeah and i think you know i've got it on a good a, a pretty um you know, pretty powerful box. And that's been such a better, you know, I've always tried to run these on the budget boxes like, oh yeah, we'll throw it on that PC. That's a thousand years old over in the, in the corner. And it needs a little bit more. I mean, they say like, oh yeah, you can run this on a Raspberry Pi. The best experience for me is on a modern computer yeah. with, you know, some modern hardware. It just works better. Um, uh, you know, just kind of works better that way. So yeah, I can't, I can't recommend the ring integration with it. Just doesn't work very well. I, you know, I use all, it works great for all the lighting. It works great. I get the battery power. I do get the battery power of all the ring cams, which is kind of nice. That part works out really well. I get my printer ink, like, you know, there's an integration with HP. So I get the printer ink um, percentages. What else? What else did you like about it? 
Um, the UI, we touched on that. Um, and we also touched on the hardware, swapping it all out. Like you, I run it in a VM on my Unrate box and I dedicated probably like maybe four of the cores to it. You know, that may be overkill, but I really felt the difference in the speed. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. When I open a door, it's instant, like lights turn on everything. Um, and then what I also like is that, like I said, everything you think of someone's done before. So it's really been really great like that. Like I ne- I don't have to really recreate things. Mm-hmm. People have already done it for you and you just add the integration or you can find in their forums how to do it, what YAML to edit, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, right? Yeah. Um, so those are some of the key things. Um, one, of, one of the cool things I found, I never expected to do this when I first got into it, but I was I was able to read my water meter. So apparently my water reader sends out a signal and I had an SDR antenna. Once I put that in there, there was an integration that pulled it in and all of a sudden it was re- reading my water meter really? data. Wow. Yeah, which was, wow. I found really cool because now I can use, see like how much water I'm using when I water the grass or, you know, like I, I can get an idea of what my bill is before it even comes in. And even on top of that, it was picking up the water meters of all my neighbors. <laughs> Which I should have said that when you had a drink, but that's hilarious, dude. But I've actually messaged my neighbor and said, Hey, someone's taking a long shower <laughs> because it picked up his meter. Do you really want to tell him that you can creep on? Uh, we're, we're close, like, that. okay, good. We're, right. we're pretty close, but it's like, it's just, it was surprising to see that everyone's water meter was just shooting out a signal and anybody can read it. Yeah. Right. So I'm trying huh. to get my gas in there as well now. Huh. That's kind of <laughs> scary. Okay. So is that the meter? Like I have a wire that runs up from my water to a unit on the outside of the house that in theory, the water company drives by or something. And they, they re is it that, is that what they're it's doing? Similar that? thing. They just recently switched us over. They, we used to have to call in every month and give them a number. And then they put some smart meters in. And that's when I found out, Hey, this meter is uh, actually broadcasting the signal. <laughs> that's, that's creepy. I mean, it's water. It's not that it's not um, like it's, yeah. yeah, it's not like it's anything like that. What are you using? Um, so from an interface perspective, what are you looking at? I mean, I know they have a, they have an app for the phone, yes. but what do you, do you have it up on your desk? What do you use? Just a web, do you just use a web page to view it or what are you, what are you using? Well, most of our interaction through it is through the a lady, right? Okay. Um, so it, anything we have, we have some things automated, um, but a lot of the interaction for pretty much anything is through the a lady where, you know, we could tell her to turn on the fireplace or turn on the TVs or the backyard lights or anything like that. Right. Um, but then the app we'll use on our phones so that if we need to open up the app, because you always will at some point, we can do it on the app. And I, I just create simple dashboards on the app. And some of it is status of things. So I have, um, status of if any devices went offline or any low battery devices, you know, being proactive. So when I open up the app, I can see stuff like that. We can control the door, the garage doors or anything like that from, you know, um, a lady and, and a lady is our main one, but we can also do it from Siri or Google home. I also mm-hmm. have those in here that I play a lot with. Right. So it, it's all the devices are on all those, dev- all those, you know, voice assistants. Yeah. Yeah. I, I use, so I have a surface pro three an old surface pro three that's touch and yeah. that dashboard on that. And it's just because I couldn't really use this computer for anything else at this point. I mean, it's really slow. Yeah. Um, uh, but for running uh, the Home Assistant dashboard, it looks great. So I just use the web browser, 
internally sits at my desk. It's in a dock. I mean, that battery is a long shot at this yeah, point. Yeah. It's not, if I take it off, it dies. Right. But, um, uh, that's worked out well for me too. And you just kind of reminded me, like I had initially had to set up on my phone and then I think I stopped using it and I, the app went away. Probably need to reinstall that. Cause that could be super handy, right. To have that app available to me as another way of interacting with it right it, it is it is cool um like i've added some it's pretty cool what you can do with it i've added some like um extra things into the app so um it's loaded on the wife's phone and when she's in it if she's not home or if she's at home or wherever she is it will tell her the length of how long it is for her drive to work how long her drive to work will take or it will tell her how long the drive will take to get back home Right. And it pulls that information from wise because they have a wise integration. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've customized the dashboard based on who's logged into it on the time. And she kind of likes that, too, because she could just load it and see, oh, today there must be an accident taking longer than usual to get to work. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And and things like that. Like you can look at it and she sees status if any of the doors are open. I think the most used automation, though, is the good night routine. Right. And I think the one time I had it was not with home assistant, but, you know, when it was down once and she had to actually go around and turn off everything and close everything and lock everything. She actually said, you better get that thing get up and running again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> She's like, yeah. one time, that's it. I did it once. You better get yeah. it over, up and running yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. We, we haven't implemented that here. A one, you know, one word to control them all. Yeah. You know, kind of shut everything down with that. That hasn't worked for us. But we do have a lot of integrations for the rooms. Yeah. So, you know, when I get done here, there's either keywords that I say or I can go right to the dashboard and just go yep. and they all they all go off, right? We've got some timing set up for lights where we want to leave them on at a certain brightness in certain areas for a certain length of time. Yep. Yes, we still have our Christmas tree up, which is still controlled by switch. I don't know what I keep. We just both look at each other like, you want to take it down? No, I don't <laughs> want to take it next down. Week. <laughs> no, I, I think it's going to stay up. I, I seriously think it's going to stay up all year. But uh, it'll be just a lady. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Oh, so yeah. you, you, do you use the room awareness, the room awareness of it? Like you, you could just tell her to turn off the lights and she'll know what room you're in and what lights. Oh, are. no, I haven't set those up yet. Oh, no, no that's a good. Yeah, that's a good idea. We do have one in every room. Here's the problem. On the first floor, it they're so close together, they hear each other. So that yes. may that may run. No, that just that hasn't worked for us. I know for a lot of folks it works great. And I'm not it's not like I'm upset that it doesn't. It just doesn't fit our family flow. But for me, it's really nice. Click off the so I have my monitors, uh have my studio monitors are set on one plug. My work monitors are set on another. And so when I'm done with things, I can hit the laptop button so the laptop goes to sleep. Yeah. Tell the tell the A lady to turn off the work monitors or hit the buttons, work, studio, hit the surface so that so that goes into sleep mode. And the whole everything down here is out. Like, I mean, I have a lot. It's I mean, it's 10 monitors down here. <laughs> and I can shut those things off in like three seconds, right? And yes. Uh, so that's a super nice. And I can do it vo- with my voice or I can do it with the, I can hit them, you know, on the, on the dashboard. If I want to do it that way, if I forget if there's another a lady around the corner, I can just say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn off that light right on the, on the way up. So that's kind of the way we use them. Anything else that you're, that you found that you really liked? I, 
you've got some things you don't like. It sounds like we're being fanboys. You've got a few things you don't like, but anything else and you want to highlight before we move to that list? Just the reliability has been great. Now that I got it all up and running, it has been super reliable for me. Um, and it's almost like I don't even want to touch it anymore. You know, like it just, it does its thing. It does it fast. And I've never had any issues of it, like slowing down or anything like that. At first, it was a lot, a few growing pains. I admit they had um, one update that actually had a memory leak. And, you know, I was testing that over the weekend. That was a bit of a problem, but it's just, other than that, it's been super reliable and I'm really liking it. Cool. Couple questions coming in on the chat room about this, (laughs) the water meter thing. So let's, (laughs) let's, uh, um, uh, Jim Shoemaker says, yeah, read your own water meter, detect leaks. I mean, that could be right. Yep. A, a usage of it, right? If you're, if you you know, you're not using water and yet you see yep. it being used, right? Could be a leak um, uh, when no one's home. Uh, Brian says the ability to read your neighbor's meters, is that something that they can patch or will water companies have to install new hardware to stop that? Before you answer that, uh, answer this one too, along with it. Joe says that's, that's actually really cool. I missed what you were using to read those signals. So what are you using? And do you think, I mean, it's kind of part of the service, right? Talk a little bit about that. So um, it was an antenna off of Amazon, right? Um, if I look at my orders, I'd have <laughs> to pull it up. Uh, <laughs> but it, it was... Don't, don't judge a person by his Amazon orders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, oh, I can't find it right now. But I think it's called SDR. Um, an SDR antenna. Yes, we'll, we'll track that down and throw it in the show notes for the for the produced show. Yes, um, but it was just it plugged into the USB and it had a little antenna on a cable that I put on the side of my rack and a um, a magnetic you know mount to it, and it just sat there and it picked up my water meter and yeah, it looks like all of our water meters in the area are just broadcasting this um signal you know on that uh, frequency yeah, yeah on the same yeah. frequency there, listen and, the water company's not anticipating somebody coming along and hacking like getting one of these antennas like until you mentioned this i never would have thought to that this was even out there but the whole intent right they broadcast the 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 water meter signal so that they can drive up the street and collect your information that's kind of why they they drive around that signal is letting off your usage plus uh, your address, I think, is what it does, right? And and so they drive around and collect this data. You'd think there'd be better ways to do that in 2023, but that's what they do. That's the way they're doing it right now. It's a utility. So I, I don't know, like, um, Brian, to your point, I don't think they gonna, they, they would want to patch this. This would make, that would make their reading unavailable, right? You know? it it would make it uh, um it, it would just make it more difficult for them um because even the gas company i see the guy come up and he just seems to wave something and pick up the gas yeah. meter and then he's on yeah. to the next house and right. the electrical company i don't know i don't ever see a guy ever walk up to that one but they must have something too i've been trying to see if i can get those signals as well right yeah <laughs> oh hold on i i it took me a second to to uh, realize what you said it's like oh yeah you know you could tap into that well you know you'd think in 2023 there would the utilities would come together and have a unified way of collecting that that it would send that data in and i bet they do in some cases rather than have them drive around and collect that data couldn't they 
I mean, you know, we have some things now. They should just be able to, I know. you know, I know. you know, don't you think? Um, uh, let's see. Alex says uh, you can't ro- remotely disconnect it or anything. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you could disconnect it, but the power or the water company, that's how they're billing you, right? Yeah. So if you disconnect it, you're probably going to get, um, uh, and, and Alex does say the only thing, it's probably just broadcasting usage. And that's, yeah, yeah that's the whole purpose of it, right? All um, it broadcasts, I think, is just the number of the meter and then the current value yeah, of it. That Yes, yes. Because the number, it's probably a unique identifier to you. Yes. And then the whatever the value that they're trying to pull off of that, yeah. Well, that caused a little more ruckus than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good reading your neighbor's water meter causes some <laughs> excitement, I guess. <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, when you said you read your own water meter, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when you mentioned the neighbors, like a oh, whole, that's a whole different, like, that's a, that's like stealing your neighbor's Wi-Fi, you know? Yes, <laughs> from it. No, you know, I've had those thoughts out in the shed and my, I've, I've got a Wi-Fi extender on my, in the kitchen that covers the deck, but it doesn't quite make it all the way to the shed, but I am really close to my neighbor's house and they have an open. And I was like, you know, I don't no, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to show up on there. I don't want to be the guy. Cause I've named everything. You know, he, he would know, he would know. No, don't want to be that, that guy. Okay. What in this in this transition, what kind of things do you not like about it? We've been very positive so far. Yes, yes. What have been, what have been some of the negatives? Well, first off, everybody I think gets intimidated when they first run it. Um, it's, it's a big learning curve. There's a lot to it. Understanding just the terminology or where things are, you know, entities versus devices versus integrations versus add-ons, you know, um, it, it gets intimidating. Um, when I first loaded it, um, I was just presented with, hundreds and hundreds of entities and entities are almost like properties of a device in a way right and you know you were just like this is this is a lot of information so you know i started hiding them you know i I hide a lot of the entities you know disable or hide ones i don't need just to get them out of the way so it's not as intimidating so that was the, the first thought um there's still home assistant is in the process of migrating everything to the gui to the user interface Right. But there's still a lot of things that you still need to drop down to YAML to edit. But over time, they'll migrate more and more of that out of the YAML. But when you get to know YAML, it took me a little bit to get used to it. You could do so much in that YAML, but it's a steep learning curve. But you could do things faster. Like when I was designing my dashboards, for example, there are times when you had to add 10 different buttons. And all the clicking, you could be there forever. Well, I would just drop down to YAML, copy and paste code, ten t- paste it 10 times, and just change a little the entity name, and then I was done. Dashboard's all done. Or I just copy the whole dashboard YAML over to another page and just edit what I want, right? So as powerful as it is, it's still like YAML is still like a scary thing that you have to get your hands on. Well, it's and it's a living. They're working through a whole... I mean they're working through a whole dynamic change that's going on with home automation. Right? Yes. And they're changing things all the time. I, Habitat was the same way in some, yes. in some regards, right? Cause all these standards are changing. So there is a lot going, um, there is a lot going on with that. Do you think, I mean, there's a lot of home automation companies coming and going too, where they're there for a while and then they're gone. Does that, does that play into any, uh, any negatives on home assistant at all? 
No, Home Assistant's been here for a while. I mean, last time I tried it was years ago, and I didn't like it back then because it was it wasn't as user friendly as it is today. Mm-hmm. But it's been here for a while. It's open sourced, so there's a lot of people contributing to the code that want to keep it running. Yeah. I don't see it disappearing anytime soon. Okay. Um, I think they're making some big strides this year. This year, they say is the year of the voice. Um, they started working on integrating their own um, voice assistant. Oh, right. So they've partnered with or they've actually I don't know if he acquired or he's now an employee uh, of theirs. And he made the Raspi project, which was like a hardware based um, home uh, voice assistant. Open source, right? It's open open source. source. Yeah. Well, they're working to integrate that. And they just recently showed off like the first piece of that integration where they're working on you can interact with your home through a text. Through um, like if you instead of voice right now through yeah. text, so I can type in turn on this light, and yeah. it will translate that into the command and take it from there. And mm-hmm. then the next steps, they will start working on translating the voice into the text, and then that text gets translated into the command. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool to see how they're working through this, but they're moving very fast with it, and it's looking very yeah. exciting. Um, and they're talking about integrating it with Chat GPT. Right. So that's the big craze right now. So, Isn't everybody? Yeah, everybody is, but that will take it to the next level because anything that it can't handle from an automation point of view, it passes off to Chat GPT. And that's where you'll get all the other commands or all the other yeah. information from. So I'm looking forward to see what they do with that. Yeah. Chat GPT could even offer to write the code and then and then implement it. Yes. You know? Yep. Yeah. I, I've yeah. done that on chat GPT. I asked it to yeah. write me some code for home assistant. It actually spit out something that was usable. I had to tweak it a bit, but it yeah. did like 90% of the work for me. I yeah. was like, awesome. Gets it formatted for you. gets you enough to kind of then like, okay, let's make this a little bit more, um, kind of make it a little bit more efficient. Um, just tonight before, before the show, I was taking my wife out for dinner and we were talking, we were in the car and, you know, I've got this legacy. It's got this giant screen on the front, right? And I said, you know, what I really wish this had was a weather app in it. She goes, you mean it doesn't have a weather app? <laughs> and I said, no, you know, I showed her the apps. And, and then, so she says to me, you know, what would be really cool is if I could just say, hey, Subaru, we both own Subarus. Hey, Subaru, uh, set set the temperature to 80 degrees or hey, Subaru, turn on the fan, you know, two more notches or whatever like that. And it kind of got me thinking like, yeah, why don't we, why don't we have voice assistant in these cars uh, for those kinds of controls? You know, I know you don't want that to be the only way to do it for for a lot of people, but boy, that could, uh, that could certainly be handy. Um, Alex does remind us going back to the meter conversation. He says they also, (laughs) They also check manually for odd readings. So like, and some, listen, some municipalities, some uh, companies, these things do come in automatically. They just come out, they leave that check for that uh, on odd occasions, right? They also send them in remotely as well. This is what he's saying as, as well as my company does installations for programs that does just that. Um he does say weather stations and tire pressure sensors yes. uh, with SDR as well. So Huh. And this and is little... just ahead. to touch on that, but my next next project in spring, I was actually gonna look for some um um soil mo- moisture sensors that oh, I would yeah. pick up with the SDR as well. Yeah. Um, because those would be great to know where I have to water more. Yeah, yeah, no, right on. 
Oh, I'm going to have to follow you on this one because <laughs> this would be, I'm always like, why I can't have, how many, how many water sensors would you want in your yard to know? Like, if you just think about it, your geography of your yard, how many sensors would it take you for you to feel like you had most of it covered? What do you think? Um, for me, I would probably put it in, I, I only get a couple and put them in the areas where I think I'm underwatering. There's certain areas they look like they're getting a lot of water and they're great, right. you know, but there's certain yeah. areas where no matter how much water I run, it seems like I'm still underwatering. I have this one mm-hmm. big tree and I think it sucks it all up from the grass. So yeah. I'd probably just get yeah. a couple and I'd stick yeah. it in those spots just so I know. Yeah. Yeah. So g- throw a number out. What do you think? What, what, what do you think if you were going to go buy some sensors? I'd be probably three or four. Oh, okay. Wow, that few. I was thinking more like 10, 10 or 12. (laughs) I'll start at three or four and end up at 40. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you you buy a half dozen, and then by the time you get them in, you you can't find them anymore. So then you got to buy another brand, right? Because that that brand went out of business, right? Those kinds of things. Yeah, I'd put a couple out front, and then... Yeah, maybe three in the front yard and maybe as many as five or seven in the backyard. There's just because it slopes down. I you're yes. I don't I'm in the same situation. I don't know. And I'd love to be more efficient with my watering, right? On that. Now, some would say, well, okay, duh, Jim. If the grass is green, it's fine. If it's brown, you need to water it more, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that I, I want to water it before it gets to the brown. I, I want to know. Yeah, and, you know, right. And right, and sometimes, right. like, no matter how much water, there's certain sections of my lawn, no matter how much water I put, I think I'm running it long, it still starts to turn brown. And then I realize that tree is sucking up all the water. Um, there's another section where apparently I have a cinch bug issue I have to take care of next year, mm. you know? So, but mm. it would be nice. My backyard lawn just grows like crazy. That one's green, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to do less lawn just to be honest. So I don't, Me know, too. I'm, I'm replacing, <laughs> I'm replacing, you know, the lawn with other things, just like eh, other things that maybe don't require so much, um, so much water. Hey, this antenna, where, where do you actually have it? This, uh, since it's getting so much traction on the <laughs> podcast tonight, where do you actually have it located? Is it, does it need to be outside or is it inside where do you where do you put your well for now i'm only picking up my water meter so it's pretty much the it's part of my rack in the basement and the water meter is down there anyway so i don't have to worry about it who knows when i go with the lawn moisture sensors if i may need to relocate it um but in terms of other my other antennas um i have the zigbee and the z-wave antenna and what i did with those is i got some extra long active uh usb cables and I ran those USB cables all the way from my rack to like the center of the basement roof. I have an open basement. Okay. And so now it's centralized in the house. And that made it so much better for the signal all around my house really? for all the devices to get okay. to it. So it's away from all the electronics because my rack's in the front corner of the house. So now I put it every uh, the antennas sit in the middle of the house. And then I have one super long cable because every now and then when you're trying to add a z-wave or a zigbee device it just doesn't want to pick it up right yeah yeah. i have a super long cable where i could plug the z-wave antenna in and a dongle in and just walk it right up to my master (laughs) bathroom and put it right next to the device and add it and that saves me a lot of frustration so that's a pro tip have one of those it really helps You, you mentioned the bathroom yes or no is it okay to put one of those smart devices in the bathroom would you have an assistant 
in the bathroom as well. Um, I do. Oh, wow. The assistant. Actually, yeah. I have one in the wife's bathroom, the one she okay. likes to use a lot. Okay. And she actually uses a lot. You know, is it going to rain today? You know, yeah. like yeah. what's the yeah. traffic yeah. like? Yeah. You know, okay. what's the weather like? So she actually, I hear her using it a lot and I'm afraid to take it out of there. So it's <laughs> I'm assuming yes. it's a puck. <laughs> it's it's a, the puck and okay. I have it on a little mount that sits over the plug. Right. So yeah. it sits right yeah. there and she uses it uh-huh. a lot. Yeah. Yeah, we use it more and more all the time. Um, you said active USB. Does that mean it's got power associated? You're adding additional power to it? or Because it's so long. I think um, USB cables are limited in length. I can't remember if it was six okay. feet um, in length or six meters. But then when you add um, the active cable, it lets you get up. To, like One of my cables is 60 feet. Okay. And that's yeah. just that's the one I use to carry all the way upstairs whenever I have to re-add something. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, no, that makes sense. I just kind of thinking through the setup. A couple more comments. Joe says the older Microsoft Sync, this was in available in cars way back, did that for Ford, where you could talk to it and it would change things in the car. Not sure about the newer ones. I, I don't think that exists anymore, Joe. My Acura think. has some voice assistance built into it, really? right? But we don't okay. use it. Because the last thing I want to be doing is fumbling with commands when I'm driving. So I still touch the buttons and know where those are, right? I I would love this. The legacy um, uh, temperature controls, HVAC, what would you call it? Yeah. The the environmental. There we go. The environmental controls are touchscreen. And I hate them. That's the one thing. I love everything about that car except... You should have made, they should have made those buttons, not, not put them on the touchscreen. It's a terrible experience. Now, if I could, if I could say, Hey, Subaru, you know, um, set the temperature to 80 degrees and turn the fan on three, that would be awesome. Like, yeah, if you get an Android auto, I think you can use, uh, the Google voice probably. And with, uh, Apple, what's Apple's version? CarPlay. CarPlay. Yes. Let me change environmental controls. Oh, yes, yes. You want all that stuff. I want the environment. The other stuff, it's working great every, I mean, the the podcasting stuff works great. Siri works great in there. Like, I mean, it really works well. That's the one, and I didn't know till tonight that I wanted that. That's just to be really clear. (laughs) Well, I think Lexus (laughs) has it if if you needed to get a Lexus. Lexus. I'd buy a Tesla before I bought a Lexus. Um. The uh, Jim says, Jim Shoemaker says, you know, uh, if the signal can be interrupted or spoofed, it could be, it could reduce your water bill. Yeah, but eventually someone will come around and there will be a, you know, before, if you move, there will be a reckoning uh, of that, uh, of that bill. Or you forget to spoof it one month and you get the real value and now you owe (laughs) $3,000. Exactly. But Jim, we get your point. We we get your point. Uh, uh, Joe says, I bet there's FCC violations in there. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, and I, and I bet, well, I, I bet they own that frequency, right? Whatever. And that SDR antenna can, can see things on that frequency. And I bet the, I bet the companies are allowed to use that frequency for those kinds of reporting, uh, things. It's in a different, it's in a different spectrum. So, well, there's probably a whole show just on that kind of stuff. You guys got, I, me and you guys got pretty excited about that. Anything else, any other, before we think about just recommendations, any other negatives uh, uh, to this that you saw? Um, just be used to changes, right? Like it's, it, it seems like a system that's constantly changing. So a lot of the YouTube tutorials you may look at could already be outdated, right? And that's what I found. I would look for things and it was already outdated. It was already, you know, changed. So that kind of got a little frustrating. So I kind of had to 
poke around and learn some of this stuff myself. Um, but I re- I'm a guy that will read the documentation too. You know, <laughs> you're, like, you're the only guy in the world. <laughs> yeah. They gather. write documentation for me. I'll point out spelling mistakes sometimes, right? <laughs> they wrote it for me. Oh, that's right? awesome. That's <laughs> but awesome. you know, because you learn a lot when you read the documentation sometimes. So yeah. get get used to that and get used to updates, you know. Like yeah. like I said, sometimes two, three a week. The the negative I would have is that it I did integrate it with my Apple account so that it could and it would check the, it would display my phone battery. It would display the battery to my watch. Those are the two things. I don't really need those, to be honest with you. The drawback to it was it was always pinging my Apple account. And at one point in time, Apple didn't, I couldn't figure, I couldn't find a setting to say that's okay. So every day oh. I was getting emails saying, hey, someone's trying to access your Apple account, right? And I don't have a static IP. It's changing all the time with T-Mobile. So I think that change was set in a way where Apple was not recognizing the IP it was coming from. I get a couple emails a day. And then and if you could say, well, yeah, I'll just ignore it. But then do you really want to ignore kind of warnings like that on your accounts? I set up all this security in 2FA. So I have that kind of access. So I ended up removing the Apple integration from it completely. Well, once you have the app installed, the app now pulls a whole bunch of things from your phone that you can now integrate. So, and it's not pinging anywhere. It's just the app is reporting it back to the home assistant. And, um, like the battery life would be one of them or GPS location, or, uh, are you on Wi-Fi? What Wi-Fi you're on? All sorts of things that you can act on. All right. Well, after the show, I totally forgot about the app. I mean, I've been doing this, you know, just on the, just on my PC. Um, is an interface. Um, I totally forgot about the app. I'll have to do it. Okay. So you might've inspired a few people to like, all right, I know Jim and Mike and Gavin, you've talked about this before. I'm going to try home assistant. Like, <laughs> what kind of, what would be some recommendations? I know we've mentioned a few, but let's kind of just recap them. What kind of recommendations do you have? For us? Um, I've mentioned this before, you know, run, run it in a VM. It's probably the best way of running it. Right. Not just that, but you know, it's also easy to pass through devices to that VM. Um, and then updating in that VM is so much better. You know, totally. um, yeah, totally. I, I really like it in the VM. I'm glad I did that. Um, entities, uh, you know, I hide all the, whatever I add a device, it may come up with a whole bunch of entities. I will hide any entity. I just, will not use so that doesn't clutter the interface right like totally. I have th- yeah. thousands of entities in my home assistant it's ridiculous yeah. right so that's another well Come up like, with the- <laughs> it finds the bit defender box and yeah. it it's got some throughput it's got some input output it's got like these all these weird requests in it i mean that thing's got more stuff coming out of it than i ever anticipated and when i hooked to it with home assistant it found it by itself you, do you want to add this well, not all those entities. Like, I don't really care what the what what some of those are. So, I like yeah. that recommendation. Hide those, the ones that you're not using. I have like 1,200 entities that are hidden. <laughs> like, like that's how bad it was. Like, it was yeah. just driving me nuts. So, I yeah. cleaned a lot of that up. Um, come up with a naming convention, a good naming convention, um, something that will you know make things easy for you to find a device. You know, I usually just use the room name. You know. Um, the device type and, you know, something a little descriptive, like I'd be like, uh, you know, master bedroom window left, for example, that way, when I'm just like 
adding all the master bedroom devices to a dashboard, I could just, I see them all, you know, and I just keep yeah. adding them and it makes it easy, makes it um, more organized for yourself. Um, when it comes to Zigbee, Z-Wave, there's, there's multiple ways. So Home Assistant's working on, they have their integrated Z- Zigbee um, add-on, right? Or you can use something called um, Zigbee to MQTT, which is an add-on to it, right? And same with Z-Wave. Z-Wave has uh, Z-Wave JS UI, right? And it's an add-on, and it goes through an MQTT server to the, the um, Home Assistant. Now, those are developed by, I guess, other developers make these and they're just integrated into home assistant tightly well i recommend using those from the beginning right and the reason why is because they add extra features that you may not know you need now but when you do know about them it's like really cool one of them is um like for example z-wave you can use something called z-wave associations right so you could set up um an automation in three-way that says if I turn on this light, then also turn on that light and back and forth, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and there'll be a little delay to that, but you know, it will work for the most part. When you do an association in Z-Wave, it will actually send the command directly to the light, not going through the hub. Uh, right. Okay. It goes directly yeah. to the light and back and forth. And that way you get faster speed. Or even if the hub's down, my three-way will still work. Hey, what's the right? okay? So while you're thinking, while we're t- while I'm thinking about this, what's the difference between grouping? So say like I want to turn a light on. When I say turn this one on, it the, it automatically turns on another one. What's yes. the difference between doing that and just grouping them? So uh, grouping them, um, I like to if I do it in an automation, I like to add them so they all turn on at once. Okay. Right. So I'll add them as a group and then it right. sends the same right. signal. Sometimes I'll send things in parallel if I know it's not going to flood the network. Um, in some of my automations, I'm like, send all these commands in parallel, right? Okay. Instead of in order. And that way, things like lights will all turn on at the same time. Okay. But it always comes down to how many you're going to do at the same time, right? Because okay. you can flood a network. But right? it, it is your network. I mean, does that really matter? I mean, are there some, in other words, say you were going to turn on every light in your house. Yes. And you've got an all home light, you know, turn them all on for an emergency or whatever. Yeah. Would that flood your network in a sense? Would it slow it down? Do you think? Yes. If they're all, well, if they're all say Z-Wave, for example, and I see this in my night routine because my night routine would go through all my Z-Wave devices, light switches and turn them all off. And you will see it slowly stutter its way through because it's sending too much at once. Right. Um, How you could get around that is you send, you can make it so you send five commands, wait a little bit, a couple seconds, send five commands, wait a couple seconds, and just let it process it, and it will kind of get around that, you know. So it all depends on the effect you want. <laughs> my some of my uh, siblings would say, "What do you, you can't just walk around and put this, turn the switches?" <laughs> same thing, same thing, Jim. Yeah, well, but I don't have to. And my home automation journey started with an argument out of who was going to turn off the pool pump at one o'clock in the morning. Right. I always say that that's how it started. I was like, you know, I'm going to automate this so we don't have to go turn this pump off. Right. Right. No, right on. What else? Anything? My last, my last one, and this is a shocker, but this is through personal experience when it came to Z-Wave. So I've been, I've used a Z-Wave 700 controller. I've used Z-Wave 500 controllers. Right. And it's just one's newer than the other. But I've always had problems with the 700 controller. Like it would work, but there would be times when things would slow down or, you know, devices would just stop responding or anything like that. Right. And this is where with Home Assistant, I was able to test this. So I took, I had a 700 controller, and even with the latest firmware and everything, it just didn't feel as responsive. Like it just felt like things, you know, would break down or slow down at some times. Right. 
I took that out and I put in a 500 controller I had laying around. Night and day difference. My 500 controller has been running beautifully. No slowdowns, no you know issues, no devices dropping off. Everything just works beautifully. And you know, I, I always like to recommend if you could get a 500 controller and you're, you're, you're having issues with your 700 controller, you know, try just swap it out. Put a Z-Wave 500 controller if you get your hands on one and see what life is like. Because I've noticed that a number of things, even. Uh, you know, with Hubitat, my Hubitat C5 was probably the best Hubitat I had, right? Because that was still a 500 in that box. But then when I got the C7, I was constantly babying the Z-Wave network, right? Um, and I, I just realized it was the antenna because they came out with firmware updates and they said, you know, this should fix that problem, but it never was the same, right? So my C5, I gave to my neighbor across the street and he was love. he's loving it, right? Because <laughs> it works perfectly yeah, for him. Yeah. Could could I like I don't have a Z Wave. There Z Wave's built into the the Hubitat, right? Yes, the Z Wave antenna. Yeah, uh, but that's the only Z Wave antenna I have. If yeah. I was going to Hubitat, if I was going to Home Assistant, is there any way to let that con- continue to still be the Z Wave antenna by control it through Home Assistant? Yes. So in Home Assistant, there's a, a integration or an add-on for Home for Hubitat. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, you locked up one second. Hold on. We'll see if we get you back. See if we uh, get you back. Uh, you're back. You're all back. right. Yeah. You're yeah. Back. So no, there, there's an add-on in Home Assistant for Hubitat. And in Hubitat, there's an app you can add and it will sync them. So you'll get all your Hubitat. Oh. Maybe we're flooding your network right now, Gavin. <laughs> Give him a second <laughs> to come back here. Are you back yet? kind of yes what do you think's going on i don't know it must be my home network but yeah we're flooding we're flooding your network with (laughs) i said too many commands at once (laughs) (laughs) oh we'll give it a it's okay it's okay we'll give it a second so there's an integration between home assistant and habitat now if i sync those two together is that going to duplicate things like if I've got stuff already set up on Home Assistant, will that duplicate the stuff that's on Hubitat too? No, you can choose what you want to export and import. So what what I did was when I first did my migration, I didn't have a Zigbee or Z-Wave uh, dongle. So I used my Hubitat as the antenna. And yeah. all the devices were exported to my Home Assistant. Okay. Okay. So, it, it so it's great. still it's using the Hubitat Z-Wave. Yeah. Like, Dude, this is like a revelation to me because I was, <laughs> I don't have, now I don't, I don't have anything Z-Wave. What would I, what what would I, if I was going to have Z-Wave or Zigbee, what would I, what would I have that is that, that, that uses that? Um, In terms of like devices? Yeah. Yeah. What kind of devices? Um, well, for one, my Z-Wave, all my switches are Inavelli switches and they're on Z-Wave, okay. right? So I've, I've pretty much like every switch in the house and that's mainly because of my ADD they all have to look the same. So I have them all as in reds and they do some cool things. I have them doing. Um, and then all my sensors, I recently migrated over to zoos. So they're all Z wave as well. Right. Um, but I do have some Zigbee sensors, um, some acquired devices, you know, um, also, so it all depends on the brand. Like I always right. like to settle on one brand of a certain device and then get to know them inside out all the quirks so that when things go wrong, I know how to troubleshoot it and it's yeah. easier than having 10 different brands. 
if I'm using TP-Link, I use a lot of that or Casa. Yeah. Those are Wi-Fi enabled, but those are those aren't those aren't Z-Wave, right? That's no, that's that's whatever. Wi-Fi. Yeah, that's Wi-Fi. Okay, so all they'll right. discover they'll you can add those to Home Assistant without any antenna. Yeah, that's like, easy. Yeah, 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 all that stuff I use. Yeah. That's what's worked well for me is those. I think the the uh, Philips Hue is Wi-Fi, right? As well, it's not a Zigbee or Z-Wave. I always wondered, like, because I'd, I'd search for those. I never find them because I don't have any of those. I must not use any of those uh, devices that have that protocol. Yeah. No, um, you'd have to know. You would know when you got a Zigbee device, you know. Okay. And I, I, I like to use all of them, right? So, yeah. you know, um, I, I like to build them up so that I have strong meshes in both ecosystems. Because sometimes there's a Zigbee device that I can't get a version of. Or uh, vice versa. So I like to use both of them. I don't limit myself. We uh, Brian thinks the water company now is hacking your your <laughs> Wi-Fi to slow you down. A little bit. <laughs> they heard what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, you shouldn't have said anything. Oh, the water, the water police will be out tomorrow. <laughs> you know, they'll be like, oh, "Are boy. you? Are you? Uh, you? No, good, good, good stuff." Well, every time we have this conversation, um, I, I always go back. Like you got me last time we talked, or maybe it was two times ago, to go back and look at Hubitat. Because I, yes. I was like, huh, okay, I've got that device. And I think I have a C5 too. That'd be an older device, right, from from them? Yes. So it would be a great experience. Uh, I really like the C5 box. Okay. So if you're going to, you will have a great uh, experience with that one. Yeah. That was one of my favorite ones. Well, it's I, it's sitting there. But I didn't yeah. realize, I've moved to Home Assistant I didn't realize you could connect the two together. So use so, it for okay. the antennas. I got some. No, totally. Yeah. No, all of a sudden it, it makes sense to keep that thing around, right? To, for its antennas. Okay. Two things. One is that I, I'm going to work on that integration to see if I can get that working. Two is get the app installed. Like I think I've been, I think I've been missing out on the app, um, yep. you know, on the app bit of it. Would it make any sense to have the app? On a, like an Android, I have an Android tablet that I use for some additional home automation dashboard stuff. Would it make sense to have the app installed on something like that as well for its, I don't know, any advantage to having it installed on other other devices or does it just confuse it? Um, it may just confuse it. Uh, if if it's working, if the web is working for you, the app may be a little more responsive though. I don't know. It depends on the age of the device. So okay. maybe the app may be a little nicer, display a little nicer, easy to work with. Yeah. Well, the app work uh, when I'm away from the house, or is that going to be tied? Do I have to have that enabled in some way where my home assistant is viewable on front to the outside? So you have a couple options here. Some people go the free route where you can expose your your router, your ports through your own uh, reverse proxy and have it connect that way. I just thought that was too much work for what I really wanted. So I pay for the Nabucasa. You know, um, they have their own reverse proxy, and that just yeah. makes life so much easier. It's what, five bucks a month or something like that? Okay. For the, and I get to support, you know, uh, Home Assistant at the same time. So yeah. if I'm using their product, I'm happy to support them, and they're making my life so much easier. It's not that expensive. Yeah, no, it's a good, good thing to. Good thing to think about. I I haven't had the need to control things outside of the house yet, but yeah. but you know maybe that maybe that situation um, is coming up. Um, Gavin, let me ask you one more question before we wrap it up. Of course, we've 
spent some time with Christian a couple weeks ago talking about last pass, last pass. Yep. And that beer started to kick in for <laughs> sure. Like my, my speech is slowly just going to start drifting off here. That was and 15 that, minutes ago. That, that, <laughs> you're only now realizing. That's exactly right. You're exactly right. Um, did you, did this affect you at all? The last pass and are you doing something different or what do you think about this password manager stuff? You know, that was a great podcast. I have to say that was an awesome podcast. I learned so much and I came out of that podcast fearing so much more. Um, he really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Now, I'm a RoboForm user um, and I've been with them for many years. And I even have RoboForm set up for my family, you know, because me and my sister would manage my mom's password. So we have sharing and, and stuff going on. And, you know, if we didn't have a complicated setup like that, I probably would migrate off of it. But it's, I have probably 600 passwords in my, yeah. right? So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I did not want to go and um, migrate, but it's always in the back of my mind that if I ever, you know, have the opportunity to migrate off of it, we even have things like if something were to happen to me, you know, my sister can request access to my account and yeah. get to the password to make her life, you know, easier right. to sort things right. out, you know, right. things like that we all thought of. So, he opened my eyes. I, I'm still a RoboForm. I'm glad I wasn't a LastPass user, though. <laughs> you know, and sometimes I like, like, I find OnePass and LastPass were, were very popular. And sometimes I stay away from the more popular things because the more popular you are, the more they'll try and hack it, I guess, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. RoboForm is not as popular, but they've also yeah. been very good to me. So I pay for them. Yeah. Good. No, it's a good, it's a good story. I mean, it makes sense from from that standpoint right i mean yeah. it makes sense i had 380 passwords so not as not quite as many uh probably a hundred of those though were old accounts that i things i tried years ago last yep. pass just collected them you know and then you but you still got to go through one of the things thing i've been thinking about is um when i do check them because i've been checking every single site one does it still work can i get yes. signed in right uh, and then if I'm not using it, can I close it? Can I close the account? Right. And just to make sure that it's something I can do, you know, I don't, I don't need to leave dead sites out there. I don't need to leave dead accounts out there. Um, they just don't, they just don't need Somebody's to be, back. yeah, you're back. They just don't need to be, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Are you hearing me now? Yeah. Okay. You know, my internet's been, it was so perfect all day. Yeah. Just so much work. And no, then as been... soon as we started talking about the water meters, it's, <laughs> it starts going, that, nah, yeah. you're, fine. You're, you're fine. But it, it's been a good, it's been a good exercise in cleanup just to go yes. through them, kind of making sure I've been giving all my sites, you know, I went through all the financial sites first, yep. gave them as long of those passwords as I possibly can, changing every single one, making sure they're all unique. Yeah, um, you know that, that it was amazing how many um accounts I didn't log into anymore, or even right, right. yeah. <laughs> we, I think I'm gonna have to let you go here in a minute. <laughs> this is getting, I don't know what is going on tonight. It's just well, here's the good news we got yeah. through, we got through 99% of the content, awesome, and and uh, and, and all is well, yeah. Well, it's, I think um, it's been a good experience to go back through and see, like you were yep. saying, you just don't know how many sites are dead. Like, yep. and, and it's okay. They're dead. They're, they've been closed down. That's they're They weren't going to be able to log in, even if they had your stuff. 
I just want to make sure one, if I'm not using it, I close it out. Like if, if I can, if, if they won't let me close it out or if they don't have a way of doing that, I just change it to an infinitely long password and kind of leave it. I collect, I, you know, I keep it so I know that I've got it, but. It's amazing how many sites don't let you close it out. I get a lot of people signing up for sites under my name, right? For some reason. And I would actually go to that site. I log in. I change the password because it's coming to me. Right, right. And then I try and close the account. And it's amazing how many don't even have that feature. So I do some random long password and just leave and let Let it be. Let it be. They're never going to change it again. Exactly. And then I start getting change requests in my email yeah. as they're trying. I'm like, you should never have used my email. Right. No. And, <laughs> and that happens to me too, from time to time. And yeah. it's the weirdest thing. You're like, well, why would you use a different, are you just putting in random email addresses? I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't either. <laughs> uh, I don't either. Well, Gavin, um, I tell you what, I will close things up. Your internet is iffy enough. We'll let you get, uh, we'll let you get back to, uh, to monitoring your call as well as beyond. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks for having me. I apologize for the internet. It's just, I don't know what's going on tonight, but it happens. No, it happens. Don't, don't apologize. We all have those moments like that. Listen, I appreciate your perspective. It's a second look, not even that it's a hard look at home assistant for me and like, okay, maybe there's some things I could do tonight that would, um, or tomorrow that would, uh, that would, that would add value to what I'm doing from home assistant. So thanks for, thanks for challenging me on that. Appreciate it. If you have any questions, you know, you can get us, I I monitor the, um, discord channel. So, you know, just, and you're just Gavin Campbell out there at Gavin Campbell on discord. Where, where do they find the podcast? Where would they go if they want to listen to that? HomeTech.fm is the podcast, and if you, I'm on Twitter. I'm still on Twitter, Gavin Camel. But we also have HomeTech.social, our own uh, Mastodon instance. Ooh, ooh, okay. So how's, you know, if you're looking for Mastodon, it's amazing how many people are actually joining. You know, like I don't know. There was a period when we had open signups, and the right. bots just were killing us. Like we were just oh, getting bots bet. joining. So then we had to lock it off, and now people are just joining. They give their reasons, you know, what they're interested in, and it's amazing. Like I'm sitting here constantly having to approve people because it's just coming it's yeah. flowing in nicely so it's been nice over there are they staying like um a I, lot of people are browsing yeah okay i find there, there's yeah. some people that are very active you know and i find those people you can get some great activity with you know like there's people looking for a conversation over there you know and they get involved in some of the yeah. things you're you're talking about and it's good conversations i haven't seen anybody arguing or you know, any random other things that you see coming from Twitter. So I'm kind of enjoying it. It's been a lot more techie over there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, we've enjoyed discord. I mean, discord's worked great for us and yeah. that's, that's been a great platform to just enough conversation going on over there at the average guy.tv slash discord. If you want to, if you want to join us, a few did last week and uh, if you want to join us on that side. So, um, well, good. Well, um, keep charging on. I would encourage folks just like I do with everybody else. If you're listening to this podcast, you'd probably like hometech.fm. So if you want to head over there, check that out, get subscribed, find it on the, uh, on your favorite podcast app or whatever, get subscribed to it, listen to it a couple times. And, uh, I bet you'll like it. I mean, you'll get to hear the story that we opened with about the <laughs> school who couldn't turn their lights off. Yeah, And, uh, and you guys, I think you have like a, a new segment and then you kind of dig deep on some things, right? Is that kind of the format? 
Yeah, yeah. And we also are very open with what projects we're working on or right. just random right. thoughts. You know, sometimes, yeah. you know, me, TJ and Seth, sometimes, you know, some people, you know, we have some good times and people yeah. get some good laughs out of it and enjoy yeah. it. So it, it's a good fun podcast. Yeah, no, good stuff. I'll let you go. We won't test your internet any, uh, anymore, but thanks for coming out, Gavin. Always appreciate it. And we'll look forward to having you back again. All right. Thanks a lot, Jim. All right, man. Have a good evening. Right, take, take care. care. Yeah, you bet. Couple reminders on the way out. I mentioned the Discord group. Head out to theaverageguy.tv slash Discord if you want to join us for a good conversation. Just a great way to stay up to date with a lot of a lot of the folks that listen are out there. A great way to do it. Leave us a message if you want me to cover something. A little light. Let me move up a little bit. Uh, leave us a message the home, uh, at homegadgetgeeks.com. There's a little microphone there that you could leave a message. Just let me send me an email. Jim at theaverageguy.tv if you've left a message. I don't always get the notification uh, for that. The average guy.tv platform, both web and media hosting host uh, hosting. Yeah. That beer was Woo. Uh, powered by Maple Grove partners, get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people that you know, and you trust for more information, visit maplegrovepartners.com. John, thanks for that beer. Uh, of course, uh, hello fresh. If you haven't tried that out yet, they have really upped the savings, save as much as a $110 on your first five boxes. It used to be kind of, 40 bucks off the first box or something like that. Now it's 40 bucks off the first box plus some. So if you haven't tried it, uh, now might be the right time to do it. The archguy.tv slash HelloFresh. It's a good thing we're at the end of the show. Of course, you can contact the show, Jim at theaverageguy.tv if you want to, if you want some conversation. Neil, I always love hearing from you. Neil sends me an email just about every week. Appreciate that. And uh, thanks for sending that out. And of course, subscribe, rate, review, all that other good stuff regards to the platform you're on. Thanks for coming out tonight. Uh, Brian says he always enjoys uh, home the Home Tech Podcast, so that's good. Thanks, Gavin, for coming out. I appreciate it as well. We are live every Thursday, just about every Thursday. Actually, next Thursday, no show. I have a work conflict. Uh, we One time a year, we... Uh, do a week of podcasts that we uh, invite all our customers to. And that's next week for me. So no show next week. Uh, Randy Walker is coming back on the 23rd. I have an open date on the 2nd that I'll be filling. And then Micah's coming on. Micah Librant, who, you know, worked, I worked with her for a lot of years at Gallup. We're going to talk about some kitchen gadgets. Weger is back on the 16th. Mark Robson on the 23rd. We're going to talk about getting ready for summer barbecue season. And we'll have some things to talk about. And then the last Thursday of March, Aaron Lawrence is back. And she even said yes after I kind of made her think twice about the way I drink coffee. So I was pretty excited that she said yes to that. We'll be back uh, again, taking a week off. Randy's coming. I got to get some things booked. We'll see you uh, in two weeks for the live show. And it gives you a week to catch up if, you, uh, if you're behind. So thanks for listening. Uh, and with that, we'll say goodbye, everybody. <laughs>